Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Backpack Broadcasting continues to bring you the best original sports content, but now you can get more of the content you love. For as little as $3 a month, you can get access to bonus content, including behind-the-scenes footage and interviews from the Sports Walk, Sideline Stories, or the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. All this exclusive content comes via Patreon. There are tiered levels of patronage, and each Backpack Broadcasting patron receives exclusive perks. Your support helps Backpack Broadcasting create more of the original content that you love. Visit Backpack Broadcasting's Patreon page and become a patron today. Hard to Tell podcast, episode 121. We're in the 120s now, still recording from home as we are still living, surviving, well and healthy through the coronavirus pandemic. Dexter Henry, Brian Fonseca here. You hopefully healthy wherever you are. B, what's up, man? Use deodorant every day or no? Yes. During the quarantine? Hell yeah. Showering okay. every day during the quarantine? No, I shower every day. Yeah. Deodorant every day? You know, I'm, I ain't, a, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm at the crib. I don't, you know what I'm saying? I, I, like, don't, I don't approve of how you're living. <laughs> I don't approve of how you're living. I, no, it's all about making it last. Because when we do, when we are able to go outside, I don't have to, you know, I don't have to run out and order some. Nah, I, I, even though I do got an extra one. Because right as all this quarantine stuff was going yeah, on. Yeah, I whatever, stocked up on that. Yeah, yeah. Like, I was like, let me get one more stick of deodorant. So then these two will last me for a while. But I'm like, yo, I could skip a day every now and then just because it's like, it's it's quarantined. I'm not. Yeah, I think think it depends on who else you're around (laughs) and who you have to be around. So that, that, yeah, doesn't work for me. Doesn't work for me. Sorry. Doesn't work for me. It totally works for me. Like, I'm. Nah, man. I thought about this when I got out the shower because I just got out the shower now. I was like, I didn't use deodorant yesterday. Let me use some now. So I was like, boom. All right. You know, because yeah. it don't smell like, you know, I got 24, 48 hour stuff. Yeah. I got that jump off. I'm good. All right. I'm, I'm glad you're not stinking, <laughs> stinking up the Fonseca household, man. Like, nah, I'm glad you're not sh- doing that. I shower every day because I'm still working that, out. Well, thank God you're doing that. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for I'm still doing working that. out four to five times a week. You know good. what I mean? So good. Yeah, I'm too. I'm too, and I'm doing some 
I've been doing some really, it's actually, I've been grateful for this time in terms of working out. Like I've been doing some really good workouts uh, with my best friend, uh, trainer, Anthony Slater. So we do some really intense workouts. Mm. And so sometimes I am dripping. So there's no way I cannot be around this house and not showering. That's not one more, one more question before we get into these topics and get out of here. Quarantine Um, questions. Like yeah, it. yeah, no, for real, it is a quarantine <laughs> question. What is because me and uh, Mirren Fader, recent guest of the show, we were talking about this a couple days ago. What is the weirdest thing, the weirdest YouTube rabbit hole you've been on, where you're like, I can't believe I'm freaking here right now. Um, <laughs> what's the weirdest YouTube rabbit? There was see, there's been some stuff I've been looking through on YouTube for some things I'm working on for some stories that are coming out later. Um, but it's productive. I'm but, talking about like with me. I the other day, no, not the other day, but like a little while ago, like just ran just random basketball games you yeah. end up watching. And I'm like, yo, Oliver Miller, he was pretty good at one point, right? I so got, I just start watching Oliver Miller highlights for like 15 I, minutes. So I got into this. This is a weird rabbit hole, guys. I got into. I was looking at like somehow I came across a, a video of the roots that I had never seen. And then I went into like an early 90s rap group. Uh, Mm. Video rabbit hole. So I'm looking at like DOS effects videos. Uh, oh, mu- oh, video? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like music videos, like EPMD. I was just going looking through all this stuff. So I'm watching these videos. Some of the stuff I remember, didn't remember, Beat Nuts. I'm going through all these random groups because, um, yeah. you know, we don't have that many hip hop groups like that anymore. So yeah. the roots kind of started a thing and then I was just going down. That's probably the, I don't know if it's weird, but like I went down a rabbit hole. That's for sure. I had one this morning, actually. It wasn't a rabbit hole. It was just a music video that I randomly remembered really liking as a kid. Metallica's St. Anger, when they performed in San Quentin and turned it into a music video. What a song for you. (laughs) Perfect title of a song that you would like. If you listen to the song, you'll be like, oh, yeah. this is." If Brian listened to metal, this is the kind of metal I picture him listening to. I don't like like metal like that, but I, I can mess with some Metallica. But the music video, they filmed it in San Quentin, performing there. Or whatever. I haven't I was seen like, that Yo. one. Now I gotta check that out. I have not seen that one. I definitely yeah. gotta check. I definitely gotta check Appar- that out. Apparently, the drummer from Metallica hates Trump too. I was reading that Ooh. Lars or whatever his name is. There's yeah. like one or two dudes that they're like, yeah, I ain't, like he he's too divisive and that kind of thing. So I was he's like, not, oh, that's interesting. I'm glad he, glad that he, glad that he's not down with that man. So right. We, well, talking about divisive and Trump, we'll get into some of that in this podcast. Um, I, th- this podcast, I don't even know how we're gonna kick it off with this, except there are some people. Uh, our Caucasian brothers and sisters who are wilding out right now. Like, what are y'all doing? And the first thing comes with uh, the world of college football. We don't talk a lot of college football on this podcast. I am not a big college football fan. I know Brian's not a big college football fan either. Um, But something came up that I felt like definitely needed to be addressed. And this surrounds uh, the head coach of Oklahoma State uh, football, Mike Gundy. He said in a near hour-long teleconference, because a lot of coaches and stuff have been doing these teleconferences recently. Um, We saw Doc Rivers in the NBA do one. LeBron just did one. So he had this quote. I want to read it to the people. The NCAA, the presidents of the universities, the Power Five conference commissioners, the athletic directors need to be meeting right now. And we need to start coming up with answers. Now, I'm going to pause this here. He is talking about being able to play games during the coronavirus pandemic. Yes, he actually wants to play games throughout all this. This was the Oklahoma set, uh, head coach said, and he said, in my opinion, we need to bring out players back. They are 18, 19, 20, 21, and 22 years old, and they are healthy, and they have the ability to fight this virus off. If that is true, then we sequester them and continue because we need to run money through the state of Oklahoma. Hmm. 
Sounds like somebody leading this country that doesn't seem to give a damn about the health of people. Yeah. Brian, what was your reaction to seeing this quote? I mean, it's like, it's kind of like the same reaction I had when I heard Davo Swinney recently talk about, about, oh, we're not going to miss any time. We're going to, you know, we're going to come back on day one, that kind of thing where, I mean, Look, I understand people, they want to rush to sort of try to fix this thing, but there's still so much that we're learning and still so much that we don't know that it's irresponsible to think that we're going to come back on any specific day right now and not lose time, especially in this case where you're dealing with kids. You know what I mean? Mike Gundy and Dabo Sweeney and all these college coaches, you're dealing with, largely minority, by the way, Yes. Uh, kids who are kind of at your, not your control, but they're at your hands. They're sort of at your mercy because we know college sports is different than pro sports where in pro sports, the coach only has but so much say in a room full of grown men and now women because there are some women coaching in the NFL. Whereas in college, it's it's not the same thing where you have more authority and things of that nature. So, I mean, obviously it's it's dangerous, but it's also not surprising when you, look at the messenger sort of look into the history but it's it's just irresponsible to think that we're gonna come back on any specific day look i'm hopeful i'm hopeful that we can get back out there very soon i would love for things to i would love to be able to sit here and tell you yo june 1st we can open everything up and everything's gonna be back to almost normal but realistically that's not gonna be the case and that's not something i would bet on especially since june 1st is only six weeks away. I, How much better do we think this is going to get in six weeks? I don't. You know? I don't think so. I don't think that's happening. It's also wildly irresponsible to put out there that kids from the ages eighteen to twenty-two, young grown men—I don't even like calling them kids—young grown men sure. yeah. can be out there playing this sport while there's still a virus going on, while there is no vaccine. And I think that's a big wake up that people around the sports world and in this country have to realize. I said this to a friend earlier today. It's not like we're just going to wake up one day and everything's going to be better and people are going to be comfortable, A, playing sports, B, viewing sports, C, even being out in large public places, right? It's not going to work like that. I think there's a decent segment of the population that actually believes that and it scares me. This isn't going to happen. A lot of this comes from the leadership that we're seeing, you know, in the White House talking about we got to open up business, we got to get sports back, which you heard from 45 last week, which is absolutely ridiculous. How are you even talking about getting sports back above people being healthy, above stimulating the economy? There's people who don't even have jobs right now, and you're talking about sports leagues getting back? And we'll get to that a little bit later in this podcast. But I feel like that's ridiculous. And all it seems like certain people care about the stimulation of money of other people's pockets and not the people that make money for those people. And you can see that directly in college football with the racial disparity. The white folks are the people that run the NCAA that are in a lot of these uh, you know, positions in the athletic departments of these schools. And the black players and Latino players and players of color are generally the ones who are playing the sport, mostly. And you want those people to go out and risk their bodies. There's been a long history of wanting minorities to risk their bodies at the profit of white people throughout yeah. history in America. Yo, Gundy, dead wrong on this. Dead By the wrong. way... By the way, that's not a sports thing either. It's not. Because as you talked about with, with 45 wanting to reopen the economy, you know, a lot of these workers, black, people of color, Hispanic, whatever the case may be, and these are the a lot of the people that 
afford healthcare right now. And we're the ones that are dying due to this virus because we come from, you know, lower class sort of families, whereas other people who have been here for longer, where their ancestors were rich and things like that, like they're good because afford healthcare and things like that. So it's it's more of a deeply rooted issue that transports as a lot of this does. Yeah, absolutely. It all it always does. And you know, when it comes to transcendent sports i think a lot of that that you see out of that is is just a privilege of whiteness and a white privilege that exists for gundy to even make that statement in the in the first place as somebody who's probably uh one of the if not top highest played state employees in oklahoma so and then he's talking about more money for the state it's ridiculous The Sports Walk is back. Watch season three of Backpack Broadcasting's original web series that brings you the opinions of real sports fans. The first two seasons and current season are available now for viewing on the Sports Walk YouTube channel and Facebook page. Check out the 2017 NYC WebFest official selection and see what other sports fans have to say on the hottest issues in sports today. It's easy. Just take the Sports Walk. But white privilege reared his head again in the sports world. Uh, Tom Brady, uh, new Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback, he was on a, a radio interview. I'm sorry, go ahead, Ron. By the way, Mike Gundy's salary apparently uh, in 20, as of 2019, 2018, five million. <laughs> yeah. And he wants, so he, know, you know, why he's running to get back out there. Yeah, I understand he wants his money and he wants these young brothers to make it off him. You know, we already went on uh, the last couple episodes. We talked about stay scheming. This is just part of the scheming. We talked about how it's probably worse than college football. It absolutely is. And these coaches want their money. They don't give a damn about these players. That's, that's the problem with his statement. It shows that he was tone deaf, doesn't seem to give a damn about these players. But it's just not time to bring things back yet. No, it's just not time yet. In the, con- in the continuation of white privilege, Tom Brady, you know, who I've, you know, I don't, yeah, as a Jet fan, but I always respect him, probably the greatest quarterback of all time, uh, sat, sat down with uh, Howard Stern uh, for an interview, which I found interesting uh, in, in itself. But Howard Stern asked him about his relationship with his teammates who knew from years ago that he had that hat, that MAGA hat in his locker room. And uh, in his locker, excuse me, within the locker room and players saw him. So they asked him if he, you know, um, Stern asked if, quote, he ever felt guilty or self-consciousness about having to be the cantankerous leader of a majority black roster while being a white man. And this was all around uh, the Trump hat. I'll call it that being in his locker room. (laughs) This and I'm going to read for there was a really good article by Martenzi Johnson for the undefeated uh, called The White Privilege of Tom Brady Not Seeing Race. And he wrote here in his response where Brady clearly caught off guard by the question, responded, never. I never saw race. I'm going to stop right there. Dear white people, another <laughs> great show and movie on there. Please, please, please don't say that. Don't say that you don't see race. Whenever you say you don't see race, it just shows me how privileged you are in the situation that you don't ever have to think about race. That's literally what you're saying. It's like when white people say, Yo, I'm not racist. I got black friends. That makes me actually think that you probably are racist. It doesn't. It's not comforting to anybody black. The same way when you say or of color that you don't see race. <laughs> Let's continue. 
Brady then said, I think sports <laughs> transcends race. It transcends wealth. It transcends all that. Transcend is another one of those words that gets me to roll my eyes when people use it talking about race. You get to know and appreciate what someone else may bring. When you're in a locker room with 50 guys, you don't think about race because you're all the same at that point. Except that's not really true if you've been in an NFL locker room. He continues, white, black, whatever it is, you figure out how to get along. Brian, have you been in the NFL locker room? No, actually. You I've been not. in a lot of uh, I've been in a lot of basketball locker rooms. I've been in other kind of locker rooms. Baseball, baseball is an interesting locker room. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Let me say this about my my history of covering sports and being in NFL locker rooms. I've been quite a few NFL locker yes, rooms. Yes, you've been in plenty. NFL locker rooms are probably the most segregated locker rooms, right? And I'm actually going to take race as a factor here and I'll get to that, but primarily because of position. People generally hang out with the position groups that they work out with. So the offensive linemen hang out together. The D linemen hang out together. The linebackers hang out together. The cornerbacks hang out together. The running backs kind of all vibe together. That's generally how it is. If you think about some of these groups of players, they are very divided by race. Quarterbacks in the league, generally white. Offensive linemen, generally white, usually from the South or the Midwest. A lot of the cornerbacks, wide receivers, running backs, generally black from the South, various parts of the country and the West Coast, but you'll see that. So there is this division, and you don't see as much mixing. Now, I have to believe, as a black man in America, you as a Latino man in America, do you think for one second that these minority people that were in the Patriots locker room weren't give Tom Brady the side eye? Now, yeah, they might not hang with him, but they definitely were giving him the side eye. So I'm thinking of this and how just sort of fundamental it is when everything is split up in this way, right? What you're talking about, the segregation and the clickiness of football, let's use that, right? Mm-hmm. That is, in office culture, it's the same thing as like people in this department, people in sales, people creatively work here, other people do this, writers, whatever. Like, it's the same sort of thing. Like, you're, you're playing your position, you're with whoever's in your sort of part of the building so to speak and that's just how it is like you're typically cool with the people that work in your department now you boil that down to an even more basic structure in school the jocks are here the nerds are here the other people are here you know what i mean like like that sort of thing always happens even there so if for people to i guess fully understand it just think of it to at its most basic form it's like high school and think about how clicky that is the nfl is really no different a basketball locker room, like the same sort of thing. Not basketball, not as much because everyone's sort of, you know, really together there. But baseball, for example, a bunch of different positions. Pitchers are going to be over here. Catchers are going to work together over here. Middle infielders, et cetera, et cetera. And football is the sport with the most players in a locker room. So think about how clicky right. that can get. So as it relates to Tom Brady, I mean, yeah, there's definitely going to – like the safeties who – you know, how much are they going to really talk to the quarterbacks on a daily basis? Probably not much. But they're going to know that you, the quote-unquote leader of this team, you know, having the MAGA hat in the locker room and, you know, what that sort of symbolizes. And it gets worse and worse by the day at this point. (laughs) (laughs) And you're talking about, you know, not seeing color. And, you know, if I'm Devin McCourty or Jason McCourty, whatever McCourty's on the Patriots, because I actually don't know because they're twins, um, whichever McCourty's on the Patriots, I'm side eye, I'm side eyeing that. Like I'm looking at you, like, dude, you're you're bugging. You know what I mean? Now think about it from a running back's perspective. 
who he has to hand you the ball. Like if you're Sony Michelle or if you're a wide receiver like Mohamed Sanu, how do they feel about that sort of thing? You know what I mean? So it, it it's a it's a weird it's a well, weird and people, sort of dynamic. People, uh, we have to work with people who uh, support the person in office and all his ideologies, and people do that every day. So I'm not saying that, but I do think um, the privilege that Brady is showing by saying this statement. And I want to read just a little bit of what Mackenzie Johnson wrote, because I think he really hit the nail on the head in this article. He said, whatever one might think about Brady's idea of racial harmony based on his comments, it clearly possesses a privilege unique to a successful, famous white man, the six-time Super Bowl champion who has made more than $200 million in his career, not including the $50 million contract that he recently signed with the Buccaneers, can choose not to see race, something his black teammates over the last 20 years haven't been afforded. Race is everywhere in America. Again, dear white people, to choose to not see it might sound praiseworthy, but it is also a conscious decision to ignore the unpleasantness of racism and discrimination, not to mention acknowledge each other's different backgrounds. Colorblindness erases the experiences of the hundreds of black teammates Brady's had over the years, saying that you, quote, don't see color is a signal of society that, one, you're a different white person from those slavery era or Jim Crow white people, and two, you couldn't be racist because you don't even think about it. But before former teammates of Brady, such as James White, Muhammad Sanu, and Devin McCourty, you mentioned, can't wave a wand and suddenly you have 400, 400 years of African-American history vanish because it helps their white co-workers sleep better at night. Well said, Mackenzie yeah. Johnson. Well said. Like, it's ridiculous. And I think it's ridiculous in the context of sports that people want to take color out of sports. Look, here on this podcast, we talk about sports with color. You can't have sports without color. That's yeah. the, that's what we're that's what we're in right now. More on that three word term coming at some later point. Right. But that's not something that you can take out of it. Sports is going to have color. We just talked about even the racial impacts around Gundy and Oklahoma. And you can't talk about it out. And when people try to push it out the conversation, enough with that. So boo Tom Brady for that. There's a lot of things you boo Tom Brady for. You like him, but the privilege that's exuded there. Come on, stop it. And I generally and I generally think that like you know white people who do say that they don't see color i think some of them at least they're they really think like that's the way to sort of go about it they just don't know any better and they have to be educated on how do you actually look at these things how do you talk about these things because they think in their minds some of them at least and i'm gonna shoot them a little bit of bail i guess they think in their minds that when they're saying that they don't see color is that oh i see everybody the same and they think that that's the right way to go about it when we have to tell them like no 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 that's not what you say you have to look at it a totally different thing you're supposed to see color because this way it, it will help you sort of determine some other things you know what i mean like it'll help you go about other things a certain way and not just see everyone the same because we're not all the same in that way like our history is not the same how we all got here is different our backgrounds are totally different so you have to be able to adjust that uh, adjust to that person by person so um he needs to be better educated on that. I don't know. Because certain people that grow up in certain backgrounds where, you know, if you grow up in like the Midwest, for example, and you're in a town that's, you know, a largely white town, you're probably not going to come across a ton of black people until you get to a certain point in your life. And by that time, you could be 22 years old. You don't know how to go about it. Yeah. I mean, I understand that people may not know how to go about it or, or whatever, but 
that's not an excuse to refuse to see race because I always look at it as a choice, right, Brian? Like you're making a choice to to not do it. You know what I mean? And I think, um, you know, Martenzi said in the end of his article, he talked about some people look at this who've researched this, look at it as color evasiveness rather than color blindness. And I do think yeah. it's a choice um, that you are making to say that you don't want to see it because it makes you uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable, I think, for some white people to talk about the sins of the past and how, or the sins that are currently going on too, and how it affects people of color. So, but if you don't have these conversations, you constantly want to avoid it, which I think is a huge problem in America. This is why you get comments like this. New podcast alert. Life coaches Marguerite Pierce and Lindsay Jackson are bringing a rich blend of laughter, love, and wisdom to their podcast, Necessity. The pod seeks to reestablish the basic tenets of self-love, self-confidence, goal accomplishment, and the ability to love life on your own terms. Necessity is available on all major podcast platforms, so grab a cup and listen up as two coaches are on a mission to shift perspective one sip at a time. We talked about this before. Sports leagues are trying to come back. Everybody wants to get that dollar. You see this happening. Major League Baseball is By the way, we, to come want, back. we want to see it, by the way. We would like to see it just under the safe and yes. operative conditions. Yes. You yes. know what I mean? Like, yes. With we, all, we all want sports to come back, but, but we, not now. We, <laughs> yeah, we want to see it where people are actually healthy, not where, you know, it's like, oh, man, I don't know if this person is going to spread something or if this league can actually be successful. Yeah, We're a long yeah. ways from that. We don't have a vaccine. Uh, there was just a poll that came out this week. I think I've mentioned this before in the podcast. 71% of people are not comfortable with even going to a sporting event until there is a vaccine. However, that's encouraging at least. Major League Baseball, whereas Brian has noted many times before in this podcast, has one of the oldest uh, fan bases. And yeah. as uh, some people say, the average age of the baseball fan is death. Um, I believe that was said uh, Dan Levitard. Dan Levitard. <laughs> the median age of baseball fans is death. No, and I like baseball. No, no, no um, shade on the baseball fans because I like baseball. I still like the sport. But Major League Baseball's players are increasingly focused. This was according to reporting by Jeff Passan of ESPN on a plan that could allow them to start the season as early as May. May, people. We are now in the middle of April, and we're talking about starting the season in May, and it has the support of some high-ranking federal public health officials, I'd like to see names on that, who believe the league can safely operate amid the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, The plan is a number of stumbling blocks, but basically, to sum this up, um, it would dictate that all 30 teams will play games in stadiums with no fans in the Phoenix area, including the, uh, the Diamondbacks, Chase Field. If anybody's been out to the Phoenix area... A lot of spring training complexes are around there. I've seen it before. Some really nice spring training. There's been an expansion of this plan talking about half the league play in Florida, half the league play in Arizona. I think this is a bad idea for many reasons, Brian. <laughs> um, I think they're jumping the gun way too early. And I really actually think at a fundamental level, it's ridiculous to talk about this when there's still so many sick people and so many people dying in this country that we're even talking about starting up sports leagues again. What do you say to the MLB in this plan? Yeah, pre- pretty much everything you said and pretty much everything we were saying before. So, I, you know, I don't think this needs to be a 30-minute thing either. I think it's pretty cut and dry where it's like, yo, I, th- this is too, you know, it's too risky at this point in time. There's still so much going on with, with the Rona and how it's spreading and we're still learning about it on a daily basis. 
I'm not going to kill Major League Baseball for necessarily trying to figure out a way that they can preserve their business. And I also understand, like, I don't know at what point, because they're not putting this out there. These are things that are being reported. So I'm not sure. I think maybe there are parts of the discussion that we're getting reported that, you know, they're just trying to come up with a whole bunch of different solutions. And here's what's been here's what's been talked about. But I don't know how serious they even look at some of these things. Right. Like, I don't I don't know, like, what what's the sort of level of seriousness that goes into each sort of thing. I don't know if it's an official proposal. I think these are just uh, possibilities that they're talking about. I don't know how much they even think that it's going to be able to go down. I would hope that they're just sort of freestyling with this and just. I don't think that they seriously think that this is what's going to work by the end of May or something like that. So, yeah, I, I just think that right now, I think most of us understand. I mean, you reported some numbers a little while ago. Most people wouldn't feel comfortable even going to a sporting event without a vaccine, which is encouraging news because I'm glad that, you know, you would want it to be 100 percent. But given the way things have been going lately, I'll take the 70, whatever it was. <laughs> no, nah, I mean, I'll take it. I think they're freestyling, but I think they're freestyling with a plan. I think these things are floated out there to see what the public opinion mm. on it. There's been some pushback on it for rightful things. That's I also, a good point. I, yeah. first of all, don't under, know how they will be able to keep uh, players in one place and make sure they don't get out and make sure that they're quarantined. I think that's going to be hard enough. Sec- secondly, you're going to have to be able to test all these players. And if you do this early while people are still being denied testing in this country... Yo, it's just not a good look. Now people are going to look, it's like kind of like the haves and the haves nots, although we already know that exists in the country. But as a sports league, that looks even worse. I don't think you can kind of play that game there. And I just think, look, this is a message to all these leagues, NBA, NHL, MLB, MLS, EPL, whatever, WNBA, whoever. Yeah. Look, man, I think there'll be a point where it's flattened and the virus has kind of subsided, and you will be able to play games without fans. I think we're going to see that first before we ever see fans. Wouldn't shock me if we don't see games with fans till 2022. Wouldn't shock me at all. I think, Mm, yeah, because of how long I think it's going to take to get a vaccine. I mean, we were talking about a vaccine anywhere from from 18 months back in March. That could be at midpoint of next year. So getting that and being available to millions of Americans is going to be a long while before you can do that. So this is going to be a process. I think we can get there. But I think the worst thing we could do as sports fans, sports league, is jump the gun to get people in the seats or back seeing these leagues. Everybody needs to be safe. The players, the people that work for the teams, everybody works around it. Be safe. We can enjoy these sports again, but we don't have to jump the gun. And it's kind of ridiculous. We're talking now, only about a month into this, about can we return sports leagues in May? No, just don't do it. It's not a good idea. What, what, what do you think of uh, uh, the Tim Kirchin sort of report where a source told him, I think it was a couple weeks ago, that there, that Japan is an option of getting you know players' teams out to Japan because they seem to have had a lot of success in flattening coronavirus quickly. What do you think about that? Is there a vaccine? Mm, I don't know if they got one out there. They do I not. I doubt it. They do I not. Doubt it. They do we, not. You know, so, I mean, I, we've been... The the earliest we can realistically get is vaccine. We're talking about early 2021, right? Yeah, and so my thing is, my thing is, if you can't get players, you know, not just knowing that they're safe, and now you're going to travel them internationally to Japan, um, and and you know, there's no still no vaccine. I mean, I think it's risky to put your players in danger at any place with traveling right now internationally. 
Um, and putting other people in danger in whatever yeah. area they're in. No, like Workers, no. staff, like all that stuff. I, I think they're freestyling, but I think they're trying to get gauge the public's opinion on this and then they'll fall back. Like I understand these places still want to make money because I think a lot of these leagues, what they're looking at is if we can get the TV revenue, we know we're not getting the people coming into the stadium revenue, stadium revenue but if we can get the TV revenue, then at least you know we can rock with that. At least that is good. And I think that's what they're looking for at this time. Can they get at least that TV revenue that they can rock with? But I understand, like you said at the top, why they're trying, but I don't think it's the yeah. best move. I don't yeah, think me neither. I don't me think neither. It's, it's just at this point, at this point, we all got to wait this out. We all got to stay inside and wait this out. One time for your mind, one time. One time for your mind, one time. All right, one time for your mind. This week, you got some good stuff. A lot of stuff been going on in the world. Ryan, what you got for one time for your mind? I had an obnoxious uh, one, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go the responsible route. I did a, a, wrote a story this week uh, in BQE Media, Queens Ledger, Brooklyn Downtown Star about the baseball league here in New York City it was actually trying to come up with a pretty groundbreaking idea. They were gonna have their first ever state champion. So I talked to the commissioner of the Brooklyn Queens uh, baseball division, uh, Jim Grillo. And I also talked to uh, Thomas Cluden, who is the head coach of McClancy's basket, uh, baseball program, excuse me. And just about how cool this idea would have been, the idea was that they were going to merge the Brooklyn and Queens with Long Island, have the winner of that division play the winner of the um, the Bronx, Manhattan, and Staten Island division. And then the city champion would then play whoever is coming down from Buffalo in a state championship on June 15th at MCU Park in Brooklyn. You know, it was a cool thing that was going to happen this year. And obviously, because of more important matters, you know, it's not going to happen here. And it sucks because, you know, there are a lot of seniors in high school who I'm thinking about who are not going to be able to play spring sports. But and how that could affect them short term, long term, not having a graduation. And these are all things that are of large concern right now. So uh was able to provide a little bit of a glimpse of that. I know McClancy, you know, coach was telling me that he has nine seniors on the team. So imagine they're not going to have prom. They're not going to have graduation, not going to have a baseball season like it sucks. And I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to imagine being an 18 year old and yeah. having to deal with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was just talking the other day about, you know, I feel for a lot of people who are seniors in high school, who are seniors in college. And yeah. not being able to graduate, go have their graduation, have their prom. You mentioned all that. Um, Getting think, work after all this. After all this, yeah. I mean, it's a very uncertain time. And, you know, I, I, I thought about it a lot from uh, pairing a first-generation immigrant, uh, first-generation Grenadian-American here. And I knew how important it was for my parents to see me, you know, get my diploma in both high school and college, but primarily in college. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of other first-generation immigrant kids who I know are feeling that. Um, no, that's a good one. I do feel for a lot of kids in sports who just aren't able to get the opportunities and finish out some of the seasons they wanted to this year. It is it is disappointing, but there's other things going on. But speaking with stuff going on around coronavirus, my one time for your mind, Brian, I got to ask you this. Have you been ordering anything uh, in your quarantine? Have you been doing any orders online, any food deliveries? Have you been getting down with that? So I literally put in an order for tar- from Target uh, a few days ago to just get some basically some snacks for myself and the family and get get another set of vitamins and things like that. Okay, good. So you have been doing that. Now, this kind of goes more to delivery services. You know, the other day I just actually ordered some food off of DoorDash, you know, something I wanted locally and I got that brought to me. But with Instacart, 
people Instacart service that does shopping for you. So at like local, um, you know, supermarkets and stuff, you want to get some food from a local supermarket, Instacart provides a service to have somebody come deliver it for you. But you think you'll see sometimes the best of people during the pandemic, but sometimes you're seeing the worst of people. People mm. are doing this. People are luring Instacart shoppers with big tips. So they'll put a big tip. They'll say, yo, I'm going to give you a $55 tip, you know, to, to come and, you know, do this delivery. And then when they drop it off, they change the tip to zero. So those people aren't getting anything. Oh, yeah, on, man. So man. people, yo, people are really doing this. There was a great article on this in CNN Business. Um, and, you know, the demand for grocery deliveries is, is increasing. And a lot of these people who are doing these deliveries, whether delivering your food, delivering items, whether Target, UPS workers, look, man, these people are putting themselves out on the front line. Number one, you should be tipping them. All right. Yeah. Not like the UPS workers, but the people doing the food deliveries and Instacart and stuff like that. Your Amazon fresh delivery folks. Yo, hook those people up if you have the means, obviously, Fair, to hook yeah. them up. But like to do that, to lure them with a certain amount, could you imagine if you're working and you saw fifty five and you're like, yo, I'm gonna come up and then you I'd get be so nothing? Pissed because a lot of the a lot of the workers, if we're gonna keep it real, a lot of those workers are Hispanic, you know, immigrants. People who like when we order Incas, for example, the delivery people is Incas. always like Yeah, yeah, and we order Incas chicken from around the way, which I actually haven't done in a little while, so I wanna do that soon. Luckily they're across the street from a hospital, so they're running just fine, but um, you know, the delivery is always like a, a Mexican kid, 16, or sometimes you'll get somebody older who, who, you know, he's just, he's just here trying to make a living or whatever. So yeah, you want to tip them the 20, 25% more if you could. But I remember we did a delivery, we did a grocery store delivery. We did a delivery from uh, Associated last month and yeah, I tipped the dude that brought him in. He was a Dominican dude. I could just tell, just trust me. Um, <laughs> but, and he knew you were Puerto Rican. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, we, yo, real recognize real. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, we just, just kind of know. But not because I, I talked to him for a little bit. And yeah, just on the way out, gave him a 20. And then, you know, he thankful or whatever. And then, yeah, so like he brought in the stuff, wiped it. I, I wiped it down or whatever. But yeah, like these are the kind of people who are doing the deliveries. Usually there are people who are uh, Hispanic. If I don't know what the metrics are, but if I had to guess, they're usually Hispanic and black. So yeah, these are the kind of people that we need to support because they're out here working in these times. And me shit i wouldn't want to be out here working right now yeah i have a lot of respect to the people out here doing deliveries and i thank them and the people doing all that stuff so like to read this that people are just being absolute jerks doing this is just disappointing so if we can give out any kind of psa on here please respect your the people delivering all these people doing delivery services because the demand is going up uh put a lot of respect on those people give them a tip it can't hurt all right, that's pandemic if, or not, we should be doing that anyway. Yes, we should, but even so, more so. If you have it, if you have it, you know, if you have the twenty percent, do yep. it. You know, if you have 25, 50, whatever you got, just you know, just do, do it. it. Yeah, just do it, man. Just just do it, and and think about your fellow man. I think we should all be trying to do a little bit more of that during this time. All right, that's it for episode one twenty one of the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. Please be sure to subscribe to us uh, wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, subscribe to us for the extra clips and bonus stuff that we have on our Backpack Broadcasting YouTube channel. More great episodes, more great content to come out uh, talking about a lot of things in the world of sports. And as usual on the AR Talk podcast, we are not ever talking about sports without color. All right. Until, until next time, y'all. Peace.